Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But if you don't know what that means, if you'd like to learn more, and until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, so thanks so much for stopping by. This is your first time tuning in. I'd like to say again from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Uh, it really does mean a lot that folks are checking out the show. I would really prefer, however, uh, a few things. One, that uh, you do not you know, really focus on this show in particular, that you uh, also check out the other shows that I mentioned, like Red Nation, uh, Bands of Turtle Island, Revolutionary Left Radio, Guerrilla History, and plenty of others like By Any Means Necessary, Probably Cancelled Podcast, Anti-Conquista, uh, as well as YouTube channels like uh, Luna Oi, or Ramiro Sebastian Foynez, or Troika Collective, or Code Pink, No Cold War, Friends of Socialist China, Li Jingjing. There are plenty of great uh and honestly, much better content creators out there than myself, considering a few things. One, <clears throat> a lot of this stuff, I'm actively learning myself, and that's something that I try to remind folks of, so as to not, you know, get anybody thinking that I'm an expert and I really am the dominant voice that anyone should be listening to, nor that any person should really focus on one dominant voice. We have to uh, be a dialectical in our approach to these things we have to take in as much information as we can find and be able to learn uh you know on a daily basis and grow and uh develop consciousness so if we want to be able to do something like that then you know i just want to point out that there are many many other places you can be getting your information from where i'm getting my information from that i think are really important so that's what we're going to be spending a lot of this episode talking about uh, but otherwise, if you do enjoy my content, you know, there's a few different ways you can help me, uh, you know, improve it. First and foremost, you can go on Apple or Spotify podcasts and you can leave a rating and also a review. So, you know, if there's things that you think I need to improve on, if there's takes that you didn't like, if there's a little message you want to leave, you know, new uh, listeners, go ahead and do that, please. And also... You know, do it in the spirit of critique because I'd love to hear what it is you folks have to say that I can improve on because ultimately I want this show to be a source of information and education, but also I want it to be a show that people get motivated from and become encouraged and, you know, begin taking action. So if that's not something that you folks really see, then that's a problem and that's something that we want to fix. So I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what it is you think. Uh, and what it is that needs to be improved. Um, you can also reach out to me by following me on my social media. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, by searching In Defense of Liberation. You can also, if you would like, email me. Uh, that is indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also, if you would like, check out my website where I have a blog, some cool pictures and quotes. It's really kind of uh, bare bones. 
but it's all I'm working with now. And that was another thing I wanted to point out is the fact that ultimately I'm only able to put out the kind of content and the amount of content that I do because of the time constraints that I have. So, you know, if you enjoy something and you want to hear more about it, let me know. Because normally what ends up happening is I post uh, for, you know, whatever reason that I'm posting without really having the time to do much planning. So if you really want a planned out episode, if you really want to learn more about a topic, let me know and I will, you know, take the time to do just that. Because when I have guests on, when I have, you know, specific topics that I want to discuss, I oftentimes do a bit of research. Um, So, you know, I just want folks to understand that, like, not every episode is going to be extremely well-researched, but at the same time, not every episode is just going to be me talking in my car on the way to work, as I am right now. But a lot of times it is, so if that's not the content that you enjoy, again, much better places where you can find this information. So now, without further ado that we got into all of that, let's just say this one last thing. Uh, if you, you know, are feeling like uh, donating any money to... Uh, you know, say you had an interest in donating it to me. I would prefer that instead you please donate any, you know, Patreon funds or just straight donations to the homie Zicado over at Bands of Turtle Island. You can do that on Patreon by looking up Zicado's research and podcasting, or please go over to the uh, Red Media and do the same. If you would like to use your money for direct action uh, as well, uh, folks in the wet sweat and territory are in desperate need of, you know, all kinds of things. It's winter time. It's an especially cold one. Firewood is needed, food. And also, if you can get there in what is called British Columbia, then I really would say that that's another thing that I would rather you do than send a few bucks because that's really what's going to monumentally make a qualitative difference in both your life and the lives of those you will interact with. So that's all I wanted to say. And I'll say this. Uh, thank you again for checking out the show. If this is you tuning back in, uh, you know, you've checked out the show before. This is just going to be kind of like a, what we normally might call a bonus episode. It's just going to be me talking about some things that I've been thinking about and then just like, you know, where I've been getting the information from, plugging some content creators. So not too much different than many episodes, especially ones driving like this, but at the same time, it has less of a in-depth analysis than some. So if that's what you're looking for, please feel free to check out any of my other episodes and be on the lookout later today, uh, Sunday, January 23rd uh, at 2 p.m. EST, I will be hopping on the stream with comrade Ramiro Sebastian Foynez, who is one of the first people that I really want to talk about and plug, because having Ramiro as a comrade and also being able to engage with his content, being able to go on his show, being able to have him on my show, I really have learned a lot. And Ramiro has opened the door for me in a lot of other ways as well. He has been able to introduce me to 
incredible folks like the comrades over at Anti-Conquista, Victor, Nick, Danny, uh, also, uh, you know, introducing me to a great comrade of mine, Comrade Libre X Sankara, who is a part of the Troika Collective, which you all need to check out. They recently released a statement that was condemning the action by the uh, traders within the uh, Partido Libre Honduras, uh, aka Diomara Castro's party in Honduras, where I believe it was 18 ministers within the party uh, attempted to backstab the party uh, a few different times in a few different ways and ultimately have turned their back on the party's line and also on the people of Honduras, the 1.7 million people who stand behind the party, who are fighting for an end to U.S. imperialism, to U.S. involvement, and an end to coup plots, military regimes, uh, you know, and all kinds of other forms of destructive foundations that have been developed due to the colonization and imperialism of Honduras. Uh, That's a very important thing to be paying attention to. But also, you know, they've been coming on and they've been talking about a lot of important things like the revolutionary struggle for free Puerto Rico or what is known as Borinquen and uh, really trying to understand the nature of the ongoing colonialism of Puerto Rico and of the Puerto Rican people. Um, This is crucial because as we know, uh, Puerto Rico is suffering, you know, waves of blackouts, suffering hurricanes, it's suffering uh, all kinds of economic collapse, it's suffering uh, gentrification and a new wave of settler colonialism with all these different crypto nerds who are trying to come in for the lack of restrictions. And then just the other, you know, white folks that are coming in to try to, uh, you know, do what they do everywhere, which is colonize and steal land. So being that this is an ongoing struggle, I think it's important to pay attention to it and to learn as much as you can. So again, please check out Troika Collective and Comrade Libre. Also check out the most recent two streams by Ramiro Sebastian Foynez, uh, who does Unmasking Imperialism on YouTube, where they talk about this. Uh, but also, you know, check out some of the other really important content, like the uh, analysis of Kazakhstan and uh, what is being deemed a partial... It's complicated. I think you should watch the video. I talked about Kazakhstan briefly on here, and I will say that although, you know, I do definitely understand how uh, U.S. imperialism and the color revolution uh, portions of this uprising began to co-opt the struggle, uh, there are genuine uh, foundations of worker struggle that need to be analyzed and need to be clearly understood and also need to be shown solidarity. Uh, We cannot just come out and say, all right, you know, fuck the people of Kazakhstan. It's just U.S. imperialism. We don't care about Kazakhstan anymore. It's obvious that there is a desperate need for change in the region. Otherwise, you would not be having these uprisings. That much is clear. But at the same time, we have to understand how these uprisings, time and time again, are co-opted by the imperialist state and used to be able to push their own neo-colonial narratives and... Uh, programs and puppet regimes. So speaking of puppet regimes, there's a few different uh, 
books that I think are really important for folks to read that I've talked about on here before. Uh, we should talk about Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad. We should talk about um, how uh, Europe underdeveloped Africa by Walter Rodney. And we should talk about also just also just the general nature to global capitalism. So I've been listening to a lot of different works by a lot of different international uh, podcasters. Um, the folks over at Guerrilla History, Adnan Hussein, Henry Huckamacki, and Brett O'Shea constantly have great guests on from all over the world who are actively involved in militant fights for freedom, for national liberation, and even in some cases for socialism. Uh, same with By Any Means Necessary, that's Sean Blackman and Jackie Lukeman. Shout out uh, By Any Means Necessary, always a great show. Uh, folks over at This Is Hell also do a very good job of having great authors, great content creators, and great activists and organizations on the program to talk about stuff that's going on. Um, there is all kinds of important things that I think are actively being built right now. And it's, it's difficult because we look at, like, for example, the Spirit of Mandela Foundation. Uh, recently, I've talked about this previously, had a internationalist uh, meeting where the uh, intention was to convict the United States of genocide through 100 plus hours of evidence. I think it was like 30 plus uh, witnesses and victims. And then it's, it was uh, deliberated upon by a bunch of, you know, uh, former or current United Nations representatives, as well as, um, you know, just uh, legal counsel and lawyers and different kinds of political analysts and, and social organizations and activists who, after seeing the evidence, found that there was an overwhelming majority of it that proved that genocide had been committed and is continuously being committed against black, brown, and indigenous people here in Turtle Island, but also across the world. And that was really why it was an internationalist organization, because they understood that U.S. imperialism, U.S. colonialism, and U.S. You know, capitalism is not a national phenomenon. It does not only affect Americans. There's a lot of people, social democrats and other kinds of leftists, who get a good understanding of how they're being taken advantage of under capitalism. But in a lot of cases, that's where they stop. That's why you have the Nordic states, where essentially they just continue to imperialize the global south. But instead of using the money to just fill the coffers of, you know, the wealthy, some of that goes towards health care. And we're supposed to be, you know, in awe of this development as if it's some kind of, you know, miraculous or uh, otherworldly foundation. Communist and socialist countries across the world, even non-communist and non-socialist countries who have had nationalist programs, have been able to develop healthcare, have been able to develop agriculture, have been able to develop, you know, legal and democratic rights that far outweigh any kind of social uh, programs that the Nordic states really are able to. Because in a lot of cases, these colonized and imperialized nations that were able to do so did it for their own liberation 
rather than ceasing and stopping the liberation of colonized and imperialized people for these social programs to be implemented as the Nordic and European states have. So, if we read texts like Our History is the Future by Nick Estes, uh, as well as in, in Indigenous People's History of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. Uh, we can also read The Red Deal, an Indigenous Action to Save Our Earth, um, as well as plenty of other incredible and revolutionary texts that have been written in the past few decades by Indigenous activists. Uh, and we can also look to the struggles for, for example, the freedom of Leonard Peltier, uh, who has been uh, unrightfully convicted of a crime that he is not guilty of. Uh, and all kinds of developments are happening currently that are leading towards uh, a possible, uh, you know, almost apathetical release. You know, it's clear that the U.S. state does not actually care about its prisoners. It's clear that the U.S. state does not actually care about its elderly. It's clear that the United States does not care about its disabled folks. That much is clear with the coronavirus being, you know, uh, ultimately normalized because, quote, it's only people with comorbidities who are dying. As if that's okay at all anyways. Uh, No one should be dying from coronavirus. We have in the United States one of the wealthiest and one of the most uh, well-funded healthcare programs in the world. Whether or not we want to acknowledge that is, uh, you know, really not up to uh, discussion because ultimately the reason why, okay, we have the most well-funded healthcare program in the world, why doesn't it work? Well, where's the money going? money's going to insurance companies, the money's going to technology, the money's going towards resource extraction, the money's going towards exploitative and oppressive, uh, you know, work practices and conditions. And so because of that, we know that instead of seeing a truly humanistic and, uh, you know, incredible healthcare system, like we could. We don't because in the United States and in every capitalist nation, profits are time and time again put before people. Now, this is a huge problem, of course, because at the end of the day, money uh, isn't real in the same way that human life is. Uh, You know, money does not exist to the same uh, level that human beings do. And so... If numbers on a screen, because that's what most of our money is at that point, we don't have gold doubloons and, you know, precious jewels and and uh, all the bullshit treasure that you, you normally see represented as, as capital. We, You and I don't have that. We have numbers on a screen in our bank account. So those numbers, right, have far more importance than the numbers of people who have died from COVID or who are COVID positive. Right now, across the world, there's over 500 million people who are currently positive for coronavirus. Do you know how, like, if anyone's played that pandemic game on their phone, this doesn't go anywhere. You realize now, I hope, that the capitalist and imperialist system must be destroyed. The capitalist and imperialist system has nothing, nothing 
that it is willing or interested in offering in order to make sure that the people, you and I, your grandparents, your nieces and nephews, your brothers and sisters, Chinese folks, Vietnamese folks, Kenyan folks, South African people, their grandparents, their nieces and nephews, their cousins, their sons, their daughters. None of these people are given a chance at survival even today. I'm not talking a chance at life. I'm talking a chance at survival. Very few of us get to live life anymore. That was a fun time that we had before the pandemic that really has been uh, in just about every case, uh, you know, uh, actively (laughs) deteriorating because we are not taking a practical and human-based approach to the pandemic. If at any rate, The world was handling the problems that are facing the world the same way that countries like China, like Vietnam, and others like Cuba were facing this pandemic. Maybe, maybe we would be able to think about actually, you know, being able to do some of the things that we've been missing out in these last three years on. But at this point in time, to be honest, I am sick and fucking tired of listening to people say, I don't want COVID to get in the way of my life. Neither did the 900,000 plus people who have died in this country because of the negligence and ignorance of people who speak like this and also people who are in power speaking like this. Because if we see clearly that across the globe, countries are handling this pandemic differently. If we see across the globe that instead of hundreds of thousands of people dying, hundreds of thousands of people have only maybe tested positive, if that. In some countries like Vietnam, up until the recent Delta and Omicron variant, they almost had less than, you know, 5,000 uh, deaths, I believe. And, and they still might. I haven't been keeping up on the numbers, but I know that at a certain point in time, only recently, Vietnam had less than 5,000 deaths due to the pandemic. At the same time, the United States had over 500,000. Now, if you're speaking percentage-wise, you got 500,000 plus out of 330 million versus less than 5,000 out of 11 to 13 million is what I believe the population of Vietnam is, but I could be wrong. Luna, please don't get mad at me. I apologize for not having researched this beforehand. But this is just stuff that, like, you can't ignore. You can't ignore the fact that China had two deaths on the mainland last year, 2021. That's it two deaths from COVID. You can't ignore that. And also the continue, you know, fear mongering and and attacks of, you know, saying that the Chinese state is lying or that the communist party is lying. That is really uh, a telltale sign of Western chauvinism and imperialism being so deeply embedded in the minds of almost every human being across the world that they can 
really accuse China of something so sinister time and time again. In first case, releasing this virus, hiding it, lying about it. And now they're saying that they're lying still. This is an active and ongoing military campaign by the United States and other United Nations Security Council countries against China in order to actively fight the uh, hegemonic superpower that it is becoming. That's the only way that we can see this. That's the only way that we can see the encircling of the South China Sea. That's the only way that we can see the ongoing uh, battle to uh, normalize Taiwan as a separate nation. All of this is directly endemic to capitalist imperialism from the United States. Also, we cannot discredit the fact that the need for the U.S., capitalist system, like the global hegemonic power that is the United States, excuse me, to be able to continuously be in that position, it has to imperialize. You can't, okay, say, just for example's sake, let's drop it back a few hundred years. Say you got a king, right? Got sub, he's got 300 subjects. They farm, they, you know, manufacture small things like clothing, uh, lumber, etc. Right? Some small tools. They're artisans, right? Uh, and single producers. Say that, you know, every single month you go down there and you go, all right, I want this. I want this, I want that. And you take from each of them what it is that you need and you want. And every single, you know, month, you begin to see that the king is getting a little bit bigger castle. Now they got a chandelier. They got, you know, maybe they had uh, serfs or, you know, domesticated slaves. Maybe they didn't before. Now they do. It seems, you know, uh, the king has more opulent clothing and jewelry. Uh, The castle is getting bigger. Then he starts taking your land, kicking you off or making you work it while paying, you know, quitrent or rent to him. In a lot of cases also, if the king is also your landlord, uh, disgusting truth coming up. uh, When got married, if you were a man and you took a wife, uh, oftentimes the lord of wherever you were living, so again, if in this case it's the king and he's your landlord, uh, he gets to sleep with your wife on the first night, like on the wedding night, not you. On top of that, I believe, uh, there was legal code up until like the mid 1800s in a lot of European states that like if they wanted to like take your daughter as a as a wife or even as a concubine like just to basically prostitute her uh, and, and rape her I know it's, it's not a fun conversation but if they wanted to do that I believe that it was written into legal code that it was like their right um, so if you got that right Eventually, 
the serfs, the subjects, and the domesticated slaves are going to get really fucking angry. They're going to get sick and tired of being taken advantage of. So what are they going to do? Well, there's a few different things that have happened historically. Uh, Sometimes they'll, you know, try to kill the rulers. Sometimes they'll try to kill themselves, you know, especially if uh, we're talking about domesticated and enslaved human beings. One of the most, you know, uh, radical actions for a very long time was mass suicide because you would lose all of your labor. Especially when the transatlantic slave trade was still, uh, you know, actively uh, ongoing, even after it was... Uh, made illegal like i i love how we all pretend that across the world they they put a code out they said no more slavery and we think that everybody was just like cool got it got it will do boss but anyways take that to now right so you got these people movements happening all over the world And it's clear that they are righteous in that they are (coughs) deserved. The French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, English, uh, Belgian, uh, Dutch, U.S., and Canadian colonial and imperial projects deserve to be destroyed and fought back against. But how do we see it painted in the media? Well... You know, we see folks painted as terrorists. We see folks painted as rioters. We see folks painted as violent. But I think that today, you know, almost three plus years into the pandemic, I think we need to recognize that violence is an ever-present and daily reality for colonized, exploited, imperialized, and oppressed people everywhere, every single day, in more forms than one. And if you don't recognize that, then that is a reality that we have to bring to the forefront. For example, I believe that all people, or I should say almost all people, have been made ignorant in that they have to live within an environment and a reality that dehumanizes them. Not only does it dehumanize them, But it also teaches them that that dehumanity is a fault of their own. It does this through religion. It does this through social and political uh, repression. It does this through economic inequality. It does this through stereotypes. It does this through all kinds of things. It does this through mass media and mass information. On top of this, we also have to recognize that folks who are living this reality are some of the most revolutionary and some of the most active, uh, you know, organizers, activists, and revolutionaries that there have ever been. There is this common trope that Marxism is just old, dead white people. That communism and socialism are just for old, dead, white European males. But I think that if that is our true understanding of Marxism, of communism, and of scientific socialism, then we might actually want to learn a thing or two about 
any of those things because it's obvious if you genuinely believe in your heart of hearts that communism is a you know idea from white european men that is exclusively for white european men then i am sorry but you do not know what communism is you have not done your research and that doesn't make me better than you that doesn't make you anything except for incorrect and more importantly ignorant but let me ask you why would you believe that why would you what what little amount of research would it take to actually know that that isn't true what little research it would take to actually learn that in fact colonized and imperialized people across the world in africa in asia in latin america even here on turtle island and elsewhere has been used for the benefit of the very exploited and oppressed people in order to take a deeper understanding of their situation as well as be able to dialectically and scientifically develop a form of struggle that will succeed and is in, is capable of materially changing the reality for millions of people across the world if we look at china if we look at vietnam if we look at burkina faso under thomas sankara if we look at cuba if we look at you know all of these nations across the world that have either succeeded or failed in trying to lead a revolution of any kind you will always see your socialist trends your communist trends your anarchist trends your liberal trends and your conservative trends or reactionary trends but the most revolutionary the most successful projects and movements and governments across the world have been able to implement and use they've been actively using marxism for years to come and will continue to do so in china in vietnam in cuba in nicaragua in venezuela and in bolivia as well as countless other nations across the world when their time comes and when they have led these revolutionary struggles there has always been a reality that shows that although the marxists the communists the socialists can and do go wrong they are often the only ones willing and able to correct and reimplement new strategies in order to solve the issues which they had created or allowed to continue on because as we should know under socialism the contradictions and antagonisms between the people do not cease to exist in fact they are intensified because now we are under a new form of attack 
we are oftentimes, after a revolution, forced to engage in what might be called civil war. But this is a necessary struggle that is placed upon the people because when we demand democratic rights, when we demand human rights, when we demand social and political rights, when we demand higher wages, when teachers demand for schools to be closed, they are fired on with tear gas and rubber bullets by police and national guards. They are arrested and thrown in jail and convicted of domestic terrorism. They are fired. They are beaten. They are tear gassed and maced. They are corralled and intimidated, dehumanized and made to be active uh, political dissidents and, quote, enemies of the state. This is by no means the choice or the fault of the people. This is by every means an active decision that is being made on a daily basis by the ruling class to suppress and oppress and exploit the fuck out of you, me, and everybody on this goddamn planet. Now, I've been spending a lot of time trying to educate myself on things that, you know, I don't oftentimes hear people think about. I saw someone bring up on Twitter, which I think is a very good point, that there's so many supposed leftists and even communists in some occasions who are what the homie Zicato called uh, and coined aesthetic uh, communists. This is, uh, oh, she pointed out that Nobody's standing with Yemen. Nobody's defending the the struggles of the people in Yemen uh, who are actively undergoing a genocidal campaign by Saudi Arabia and their partner, the United States of America and the United er, Arab uh, Emirates. Like, the United States government is actively arming, uh, funding, training, and assisting in a genocidal campaign. Gee, don't you love when, uh, you know, you don't do anything about history and it just keeps repeating itself? That's not for just some random reason to make that saying, you know, a perfect cop-out for people. But it's true because there's a system. Imperialism is a part of a system known as class society. It is a human development within a framework of oppression. It is a necessary tool for the capitalists, for the global ruling class, to be able to continue to fund, arm, train, and weaponize their domination of the world. We can't expect that the Israeli state, that the Saudi Arabian government, that the genocidal uh, you know, campaigns that happened 
uh, in World War II could have been able to do so without the presupposition of an imperialist world power, whether it was old Europe at the time or today, the United States, that only matters in a certain you know, context. But what's most important is none of this, none of this, none of this would happen if the entire way in which the world functioned was not based on the oppression and exploitation of the masses and the majority of the world population by a handful of capitalists and imperialists. If you cannot see this, if you cannot agree, then there is very little that I can do or say to change your mind. But my friends, if you do agree, if you do understand this, then we need to build an anti-imperialist movement, a militant and organized mass movement to denounce and demand the end of U.S. imperialism by any means necessary. We are not to say at any point that this or that form of struggle cannot or will not succeed. The people are moving, and we must at the very least move with them. If we are not capable of leading, of guiding, and of instructing, then we must at the very least follow and show solidarity. But in doing so, we must all be learning. We must all be participating. We must all be finding ways to develop, to learn, and to grow our struggles so that they can and they will overthrow the global capitalist and imperialist hegemonic power that is the United States, that is the United Nations, that is NATO, that is USAID, that is AUKUS, that is all of these different fucking uh, associations and committees, all these different uh, international trade organizations and uh, backdoor, you know, uh, 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 insider trading groups. All of this must, must be understood because if we want to do this, we can't do it alone. We cannot and we will not succeed by fighting for a united Soviet socialist states of America that is led and continues to be, you know, dominated by the interests of the white, of the capitalist, of the male, and of the dominant groups within society. We need a plurinational state. We need to develop a world that is capable of allowing each of these groups of exploited and oppressed people, including white men, you know, because this is not an anti-white men podcast because you have to understand identity does not actively, uh, you know, uh, develop politics in the way that it should today. Being white, being black can mean a lot of different things. Being a male, being trans, being non-binary can mean you think a lot different things than other people do or assume that you would. There is no true, deep, and material connection 
that is necessarily true when talking about identity. So there are poor working class white men who need to do their part to fight white supremacy, who need to do their part to fight for decolonization, who need to do their part to denounce and fight against patriarchy and need to, in a lot of cases, be doing so at a lot more active rate than those who are actively being suppressed and exploited by those conditions. Um, that much must be understood. So in wrapping up here, folks, I just want to say a few things. One, I think that everyone needs to be joining organizations. I'm talking join the IWW, join the PSL, join the For the People campaign join, or, or organization, join uh, the No Cold War campaign, join the Friends of the Socialist China Solidarity Network, join the Black Alliance for Peace or their Solidarity Network, join the Claudia Jones School for Political Education down in Washington, D.C., join in the struggle for freeing Leonard Peltier, join for the struggle of freeing Mumia Abu-Jamal, join for the struggle of freeing all political prisoners in the United States, with which the U.S. empire denies that it has any of. But in fact, as George Jackson and plenty of other activists and organizers have shown, every exploited and oppressed person who sits in a prison today is a political prisoner. And there are active political prisoners who are arrested and harassed, beaten, and killed for their political expression. We think of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X. Uh, we can think of plenty of others. We can think of, uh, you know, even individuals who may not be politically motivated but might be acting in desperation who are arrested for crimes that they commit in a system which does not feed them, does not house them, does not clothe them, does not give them proper education, and does not give them the ability to acquire these things in a non-criminal manner. This means that the United States cannot and will not continue to exist under socialism. If we want a socialist state here on Turtle Island, then that needs to be done in the proper fashion. We need to be following the leadership of the indigenous activists and organizations that are fighting for land back, decolonization, and indigenous sovereignty. As I mentioned, we need a plurinational state. We can look to Bolivia. We can look to Venezuela. We can look to Nicaragua. We can look to Cuba. We can look to China, and we can find examples. And if we, in any uh, respect whatsoever, feel that these are not proper enough examples for us because of our own personal bias or understanding of what socialism is or is not, then my friends, we really need to be doing a lot more studying. So anyways, folks, join reading circles, develop community gardens, build community self-defense networks, but also join international peace organizations, international solidarity networks or delegations like the Friends of the ATC, uh, Venceremos Cuba. Um, there are coalitions that are being built across the uh, country between workers, between indigenous peoples, between uh, black, brown, and uh, uh, immigrant Asian uh, folks who uh, come to this country who have to find ways to live uh, after being forced out of their homelands. I'm talking immigrants like the folks who are coming up through Mexico who were uh, just assaulted by the Mexican police under the guidance of the U.S. state. Um, and the uh, real, you know, uh, foundation of anti-migrant uh, uh, sentiment that is uh, foundational to capitalism and imperialism globally. So anyways, join all of these and more. Begin talking with your friends. Join a union. Build a union at your workplace. Fucking get organized however you can. And if you can't organize, find ways to support those who do. 
find ways to have conversations, find ways to read and educate yourself and others, and find ways to get involved if you can. But anyways, folks, that's all for me. I hope you are well. I hope everyone is safe. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed the show. And if not, please let me know what I can do to make it better. Uh, Stay well, everyone. Stay revolutionary, and we'll see you next time. Peace.